A fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson from Linksfield Shul. And here we are on this beautiful Tuesday, a bit cold here in Johannesburg, but still a beautiful Tuesday. We are two days before Rosh Chodesh, before the onset of the month of Elul, which that means that we are just over four weeks from Rosh Hashanah and just under six weeks from Yom Kippur. So, yeah, we're in that time of the year. And if you've been listening to Chai FM for a while, you'll know it comes this time of the year. And we start focusing on Rosh Hashanah. We start focusing on the shofar. We focus on the the services, etc. I'm not ready for that this year. I, I, I still have to, in my mind, um, let go of the past year and make some sense of what happened. So please, God, next week we'll um, start exploring in more depth the coming year, I'm trying to make sense of this year, and let me explain what I mean. Before I got on the radio, yeah, before I got on the radio, I Google searched 2019 predictions for 2020. Ha! Looking for entertainment. Well, here we go. So a lot of them are from magazines that you have to pay subscriptions. I I wasn't able to access them. But I found this one on Bloomberg.com, Opinions. This fellow, first of all, uh, proves that a lot of his uh, 2019 predictions were pretty good, some better, some worse. But here comes the 2020 prediction. So, first of all, it's all about politics and who will win, um, all about how many surveillance cameras will be in the world, um, NASA and what they will do. Mergers of businesses, Super Bowls in the United States, Arctic melt caps, which is still happening. Um, Russia might annex Belarus. And the highest grossing film of the year will be Wonder Woman 1984. And a congressional ban on vaping products will, ba- will pass etc., etc., U.S. stock market will continue to rise through the first half of the year, bringing several new highs. As the political conventions approach during the summer, the market will begin to stutter. When the election season reaches full swing, we will see a significant drop, which the left will call a collapse, the right will call a correction, and after the election, the markets will rise sharply. Baseball predictions, um, sport predictions... Uh, election predictions, etc., etc., etc. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, my friend, you were so naive, huh? I wrote this in December 2019 when uh, coronavirus was still an uh, obscure term for most people. It was something going on in China and they were talking about which movie is going to be the biggest movie this year, what's a movie and what's a theater um, in 2020. They were talking about elections and stock markets and what's that in 2020 and a lot of other stuff. Point is, I've said this to myself many times before, but I've never felt it as strongly as I feel it now. We spent so much time predicting and 
we are so bad at it, and yet we still do it. <laughs> we're just so bad at it. Like, think about how bad um, we were predicting 2020, what the world would look like. I was looking at um, predictions for 2020 from years ago, flying cars and invisible tech and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, still no flying cars. Forget about flying cars. There's barely any driving cars. I mean, people aren't driving anywhere. So you you sit there wondering to yourself, why do we predict so much? Why do we spend so much time trying to predict the future, make sense of the future, make decisions for the future? I get it. We want to be responsible. And a little, you know, wisdom and seeing patterns is healthy. But if there's anything that we've been taught this year, it's focus on the present. Make a beautiful life in the present because you have no idea what tomorrow brings. And the only thing you can prepare for your future is your character. The only thing that will last no matter what happens next month, next week, next day, next year, the only thing that will last is character. Your morals, your values, the person you are, that's what we should build for the future. That is where we need to have vision in who we are. But where we're going to live, what we're going to do. I, I was just reading an article um, just before, earlier, you know, preparing for the show, trying to make sense of uh, various things. And I see an article of a fellow New Yorker. If you don't know by my accent now, even though I've been in South Africa for just under 10 years, in two months I'll be 10 years. Um, nevertheless, my accent and coffee don't seem to be going away and a bunch of other words which irritate South Africans the way I pronounce them. I try. I really try. I'm so sorry. Like, I really try. Um, so this is an article written about New York City. Since I moved to South Africa 10 years ago, I've been asked why I was foolish enough or that was the less tactful or the other people were more like civil and like, Rabbi, what were you thinking when you moved to South Africa? I mean, New York City is the best thing ever. It is. And it isn't. And I'm reading this article where it's a bit, you know, hyperbole. It's a bit, uh, you know, for the sake of um, making a interesting column. That column is called New York City is Dead Forever. Here's why. So that's a bit, you know, hyperbole. And might sound a bit overdramatic. Maybe. Most probably. However, the guy starts sharing statistics and starts showing numbers of what's happening in all the things people love about New York, a.k.a. business, a.k.a. culture, a.k.a. food and colleges and commercial real estate. Okay, you get the point. Now, restaurants are all closed. As he says, my favorite one, my second favorite, my third favorite, and my fourth favorite restaurant are all closed. Um, theaters are closed. Broadway is closed. Business buildings are closed. Uh, rent has gone down by 33% in many of the buildings because everybody's evacuating, there's a massive evacuation, etc. Now, if I would, if your family member, you know, this is my gripe and I bring it up every once in a while, if your family member here from South Africa 
emigrated to New York City 10 years ago, 20 years ago, just before 9-11. And you had to predict who would be more settled in 2020 in their home, who would have a higher quality of life. Would you have predicted? You would have thought that your friend who moved to New York or London would have it. They're moving to the center of the world. But what's slowly happening is there is the, the centers of the world are no longer being centers of the world, first and foremost, because one thing we'll never recover from, which is not necessarily a bad thing, is we've learned that you don't have to fly to the other side of the world or the other side of the country to have a meeting. And you don't have to all be next to each other to, in the big city in order to engage. You, you could have a company across the states or across Africa, and everyone sits, sits down on Zoom. International travel other than for leisure, but for business, is an unjustifiable expense in 2020. In my opinion, I mean, yes, maybe once in a blue moon, it's nice to meet people face-to-face, hang around for an hour, two hours a day. But on the most part, leaving your wife and kids or leaving your husband and going and flying for a week of meetings, can't justify it. In my opinion, you can't. So sit on Zoom. I'll be honest, in many ways, Zoom is more engaging and... Better than personal. Not always, but sometimes. So the world that we um, tend to think of, that we tend to think that we figured out, it's changed. It's really changed. And no one could have predicted that this would be the change. People had predictions for 2020, but none of it looked like this. So I ask you, friends, as we start winding down the year 5779 and slowly get into the 5780, sorry, and start our trajectory towards 5781, another year. What's the lesson about prediction? And what's the lesson about living in the present? And what's the lesson about embracing life the way it is? I would love to hear your thoughts. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsin. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And I'd like to play a beautiful song, one of my favorite songs at this time of the year. It's from the chapter of Tehillim that we start saying on Friday, Le David Hashem. And it is Libi by Shuki. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsin on 101.9 Chai FM. Okay, okay, okay. I get you, Rabbi. I hear what you're trying to say. Fine. What are you trying to say that we should predict the future? Okay. What are you on, Rabbi? What, 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 what are you talking about? So if you just joined this, this is Rabbi Levi Afton from Linksfield Shul. And before this beautiful song that we played, we were talking about this idea that, uh, nobody predicted the year to be, to look like this. Oh yeah. They found one person who predicted 10 years ago that, uh, America would go through a crisis in 2020. Okay, so we have profits in our time because one prediction was right. I'm being cynical. Um, so what am I trying to say? Am I trying to say that people shouldn't be responsible? People shouldn't invest with them, you know, their money cleverly? No, that's not what I'm saying. A person has to know um, the power of knowledge and wisdom, but also to know its limits. The problem with us is not that we have too much faith and too little, um, you know, common sense. 
or knowledge. The problem is the other way around. We overestimate how powerful our our brain, our predictions, our sense of reality is. And none of us have seen the future. Nobody. Okay? And if you have, please don't tell anybody because we're going to be forced to uh, call a doctor. Nobody's seen the future. And yet we walk around. And I'll be honest, I, I grew up in New York and I grew up in a very different community, which had a lot of its, uh, beautiful things, a lot of issues, etc. But I came when I moved to South Africa, one of the things that uh, amazed me is there were more prophets in the in South African community than I've ever encountered in my entire life. Everyone was a prophet. South Africa is going to collapse in two years, I'm telling you, Rabbi. 2015 election is going to be the end. No, no, no. The, the, I know that it was bad till now, but it's never been this bad. I'm telling you, I don't give South Africa more than three years. Oh, Rabbi, I'm emigrating. I'm telling you, I've, I've tried to fight it out. I've seen, I, I've seen the future. I grew up in Zimbabwe. I've seen the future. Oh, okay. So for 10 years I've been here. It's by far the 10 best years of my life. Okay, not because of South Africa, it's because I have a wife and kids, but also because of South Africa. And yet, prophets are still abound. They're all over the place. Everybody with prophecies. And the problem is most of them are prophets of doom. <laughs> we have a bunch of people walking around just like, you know, doomsday sayers. First of all, nobody ever liked prophets of doom. We're told even in Jewish history, although Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, wasn't only a prophet of the difficulties, he also gave hope. The Jews didn't like it, and they caused him tremendous grief. And obviously they were wrong. But the, the sages found something positive in that, and that is they didn't want to hear negative predictions other. They didn't want to hear it because they felt that words create reality, and they just they wanted to be optimistic. Okay. In, in hindsight, they were wrong. They were naive. The temple was destroyed. Jeremiah was vindicated. Unfortunately, he didn't want to be. But the point is, why is it cool to be a, a prophet of doom? And yet, we've all been alive for a few years. Chances are, if you're listening, and you, you've been on this planet for decades, and you've seen enough to know that life doesn't play out the way we think it does. That we really, really don't have a good handle on prophecy. I'll be honest, you know, like there was a stage I started convincing myself that I, I have a prophetic um, abilities. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But like I, I started, I remember sitting in like a young 20s in the early 2000s. I'm talking with my friends and I'm telling them, I'm telling you, the world is becoming too materialistic and indulgent. The world is going to go through a revolution very soon. Okay. I studied a bit of history to know that. But if you would ask me to predict what the change and revolution would look like, didn't look anything like the 2016 election, didn't look anything like Brexit, didn't look like anything like coronavirus, didn't look like extreme politics, it didn't look like um, the West losing its way. It didn't look like any of this. And yet, you know, we, we try to prove ourselves because we got one thing right. Oh, I knew the two of them would end up together. I knew it. I knew that he would propose to her and they would have a happy life. Okay, so now we're prophets. <laughs> we sometimes get it right. I remember one time reading a, an article where it says, I think it was, in, it might, might have been a book. I think it's one of Gladwell's books where he says that 
you know, there's always predictions when it comes to business. So on the business channel, you'll watch predictions about business. On the sport channel, you'll watch predictions about sport. Um, on fashion channel, you'll watch predictions about fashion, et cetera, et cetera. And they've done a study to see how many of the predictions turned out correct. Guess what? 50%. In his words, you could just flip a coin and you would do as well as the predictors. And yet we continue to sit there going and what, what's the future hold? What's the future hold? What's the future hold? Which brings us to a story that we share on this, uh, on the Fabrangan. It's probably the story I've shared the most times on this Fabrangan show. But it's a story that I'm still waiting for it to penetrate me. So maybe once I, I, I get tired of it and it becomes part of me, then I won't share it. But it's still an aspiration. It's a radical story. Again, um, as most points, you know, in general, to bring out a point, sometimes you have to uh, bring it out radically. Obviously, again, everything's nuanced. No one's saying don't predict at all. Nobody's saying don't save for a rainy day. Nobody's saying, don't, you know, don't be responsible. But I am saying don't let, let's not overestimate our own ability of predicting the future, especially when it comes to negativity, especially when it comes to how things will play out. Okay, because give you an example. If you saved a lot of money and you took it offshore because you didn't want to invest in this country and you decided to invest in New York real estate, well, in the last six months, the value of your building has gone down 20% more. Could you have predicted that? Even real estate here didn't drop that quickly. Could you have predicted it? No. But, oh, oh, one second, one second. I was, oh, yeah, yeah, I was supposed to say a story. That's right, a story. I got reflective. So let's share a story. Story goes about a good Jew. His name was Yankel. And Yankel was a very poor man who had to marry off his daughters. And he needed a dowry, a shatchanis, the way it was called, a nadin. He needed somewhere to marry his daughters off. He couldn't afford a penny, so uh, he couldn't really make a shidduch, couldn't make a match. And his wife used to nag him, Yankel, Yankel, Alo who are you? You can't get your life together. You know, you have a wealthy brother who lives all the way in the big city. We live in a little shtetl. Why don't you go to your big brother of the big city and he'll help you? Nah, my big brother, nah, he's not going to help me. It's nah, it's... Hashem's going to help. She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and go. Just go to your brother. So finally, he gives in to his wife. He hires a horse and wagon, a horse and buggy to take him to the big city. The horse pulls up to the front of the house. His wife packs some clothes and food, whatever he needs to get on the way. He's carrying a suitcase. He puts one foot on the step onto the wagon, pauses, reflects for a moment, takes his foot off, turns to the wagon driver and says, go home, I'm not going. Here, here's a payment for the, for the, for the wasted effort, sorry. His wife looks at him and she gives it to him in tatans tatarain, as they say in Yiddish, she laid it into him. Ah, chutzpah. You finally, 
Finally, I convince you to go to your brother. I find a wagon driver to take you all the way to the big city. We get the money to take you there. He turns to his wife and says, my dear wife. As I walked onto the wagon, I was suddenly overtaken by three questions. Number one, is my brother still alive? I haven't heard of him in years. Number two, if he's alive, he says in Talmudic fashion, does he have any money still? And number three, if he's alive and he has money, does he want to share any of it with me? And he looks at his wife and says, but God is alive. He has. And he wants to give. I'll be okay. His wife didn't necessarily buy it, but she saw that her husband was insistent and she just let it go. Not too long after the story goes, a group of soldiers were passing through town and they were asking around because the captain or the general of one of the, one of the soldiers was had some stuff with him. They needed safekeeping as he was going to war. So he asks who's an honest person in town. And they tell him, this Yankel, Yankel's an honest person. So the general comes and says, listen, I'm going out to battle. Can you put this box in a safe place? He says, yes. He says, I should be back within the next 30 days. If I'm not back in the next 30 days, you could have it. So 30 days, Yankel doesn't look at the box. It's in hiding. 30 days, 35 days, the general doesn't show up. 40 days. Eventually, he gets curious. He says, okay, what's inside the box? Opens it up. All's good. Everything's just beautiful. Gold, diamonds, a bunch of stuff worth serious money. He looks at it and his eyes are like, you know, on the one hand, just blinking, crying. He's not sure what to make of it. He's not sure if he should even touch it. Maybe the general will come back. So he decides to go to his Rebbe, one of the great sages who lived at the time. And... He travels, he by the way shuts the box without his wife seeing, he didn't want to, you know, get everyone too excited. He jumps onto a wagon, goes to the small, to the next door town where his rabbi lived, who was a wise sage. And he turns to his rabbi and, and, sorry, he walks into the house. And as he's walking into the room where his teacher, his rabbi is sitting, suddenly he hears a voice, he hears his rabbi talking. And the rabbi says, God is alive. He has, and he wants to give, and he gave to you. Go use it in good health. In other words, what's the point of the story? Obviously, it's a radical story. I'm not saying, you know, don't go get a job and just say to God help. No, you do what you can. It's a mitzvah to go get a job. Sitting at home, not working when you need the money is, is, is it's, 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 it's the opposite of a mitzvah. Person has an obligation to support their family. At the same time, to do what we can, not overdo it, and to have faith. To know where my efforts end and where faith begins is one of the greatest balancing acts of the person of faith. Because some people of faith will go to one extreme and they'll say, God will help, God will help, and not do anything. The other extreme is, 
I will help, you know, God helps those who help themselves, blah, blah, blah. And pretty much I have to do everything and, you know, faith will be necessary when things get terrible. But the truth is that they're intertwined and there's a thin line of work and overwork, um, reliance on self and self-motivation. Yes, we have to do the most we can, but God runs this world. And sitting and predicting futures and making big decisions based on our feeble predictions of life, if 2020 has taught me one thing, let's just live. Appreciate each day for what it is. Because you have no day what, idea what tomorrow is. Tomorrow will be beautiful, but not necessarily the way you define beautiful. What are your thoughts? 34519, this is 101.9 FM. I'm and we are here on the Fabringen every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 FM. The balance, the balance between faith and self-reliance, the balance between knowing where my efforts end and where Hashem's in control and to give it up to Hashem, to let go and just lose oneself within Hashem's plan. We resist it. We we want to feel like we have we, we can make sense of this world. We want to feel like the world was given to humanity and that humanity is the world's best hope. And each person, think about what politics is all about, what a lot of religions are about. It's all about each person, each group of people convincing themselves that they have the manual to keep the world going in the best way possible. And sometimes we do really stupid things um, to prove our point. Think about all the political revolutions of the last hundred years and all the attempts at new politics and new styles, etc. Communism, socialism, capitalism, etc., etc., each one with its own uh, challenges, some worse than others. And each one of us is trying to fight because, like, we are going to get the world right. But the truth is, if we stopped fighting so much for our agendas and stopped worshipping the ideas of our own mind and could accept that this world has a creator who not only created, but creating, not only past tense, but present tense, as we say in davening every single morning, that Hashem renews in His incredible kindness constantly, the creation. If I can accept that and realize that all Hashem asks me is not to perfect His world, but to do what I can for that effort, the goal, the, the, I have to focus on the goal, but the results is His. And we actually saw ourselves as partners with God rather than a bunch of, you know, idealists, each one going on their own mission of how to make the world a better place. Sometimes like I feel like, you know what, the world has too many idealists, too many people who think they have the answers. It would be nice if the world had more questioners and less answerers, if there's such a verb, such a word. More people who question uh, than responders, people who have all the answers. Because questions lead to curiosity, and questions lead to faith. And que- like I was reading uh, one of the things that they asked Rabbi Steinsaltz, who passed away just under two weeks ago. A uh, great rabbi, a great sage, he translated the whole Talmud and literally one of the great minds, not only in the Jewish world, in all the world of this past generation, of this generation, he just passed away. 
And I believe he was interviewed by Time magazine um, in the early 2000s. And they asked him about becoming a believing person because he didn't grow up religious. He grew up in a very secular uh, home in Israel. And he somehow found religion in his teens and then became a religious uh, individual, an observant one. And he said, he says, a person of true intellect at some stage, they realize atheism doesn't offer the answers. They go for they go for something else, which I thought, you know, like for me to say something like that, I don't have the mind nearly of Rabbi Steinsaltz. But when somebody who Time magazine itself called a mind of a thousand years um, that comes once in a thousand years coming and saying, Atheism stops offering answers at a certain stage because most people think that faith is for the simple and once you become sophisticated, once you become open-minded, once you become university educated, then your faith starts you know, diminishing because now you become sophisticated and you're no longer the part of the opium of the masses. And Robert Steinberg is saying, no, 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 don't think, don't think that the answers are so clear once you once you become an intellectual, on the contrary, then you come to faith, but you come to a much more sophisticated faith, a much more mature faith, which is beautiful. We have a commandment to not only believe, but to know God as much as we can, not only to believe, but to push our knowledge to the limit and whatever we can't understand, then to let go and believe in God. The point is, Rosh Hashanah, we're about to crown God as our king, which means to remember what we're going to go in, we're going to hear the shofar, please God, if you hear it in shul or you're going to hear it in the park. There's going to be lots of shofars uh, all around this town. Uh, very different kind of Rosh Hashanah, but we can all hear the shofar, please God. We're crowning God as our king. And what are we saying? We're, we're saying, Melech HaOlam, you're the king of the universe. You make the world tick. Every time I have a cup of water, Baruch HaTashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, the king of the universe. Shehakol niyabit varo, that everything happens through his words. Everything. I'm holding in my hand right now a cup of water. This cup is being created by God this moment. This water is being created by God this moment. The whole world is coming to existence in this moment. Why God does certain things, that's not the scope of this talk. I don't think it's the scope of the human conversation. That's not the point of today's talk. I'm not here to play God's lawyer. But what, what we are talking, what we're trying to bring about today is stop holding the world as if, you know, like, I have a certain fellow who I'm close to, a good friend, but takes life way too intensely, way too intensely. And I always tell them, I say, I, I share an expression I one time heard. I say, shrug and let the world fall off your shoulder. <laughs> Just give a shrug, you know, like, in other words, stop carrying the world on your shoulder. No one asked you to carry it. In the words of the Talmud, let Yavoy Bal HaKerem, let the vineyard owner come and save this world. We're here to do our part, but none of us are supposed to walk around with the world on our shoulder because that means we start overestimating um, our ability. We're here to do our part, part of the master plan, to commit ourselves to Hashem to get more people to buy into, not our ideas, the idea that there's a creator, to let go. Because this is what COVID's teaching us. Let go. Let go of your version of reality and just accept God's version, even if it's difficult. Accept it. Embrace it. Find something beautiful within it. Yes, you can pray for better days, but stop, stop resisting. Stop thinking that the world is in our control. It never was. And this year reminds us that it never will be. We're not here to run this world. That's not our job. 
Our job is within the world God gives us to do acts of goodness and kindness, to be good people, to be warm, empathetic. But prophecy? Eh. There's an expression, I believe, that from the sages that says, in certain eras of history, prophecy is given to fools. Walking around giving prophecies of the future today, unless you're a true prophet, and if you are, I apologize. But if you're not, let's not uh, overstate our foolishness. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and you're listening to Fabringen on Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson. We have a few minutes to the show, so I'm going to wrap it up um, just before we play a beautiful song from Yishai Ribo, who sings together with Amir Dadon the song Livchor Nachon, live at Caesarea, Caesarea. I, I finish off with a blessing. I finish off with a blessing that next year, the coming year, should be sweet and good and beautiful. And please, God, it could be, it should be a messianic year, a year that we live in a, in a, in a newer, beautiful world. And please, God, we have the wisdom to know where faith must begin in our life, to believe, to truly believe that there is a master to the universe, that the world is not run randomly, that everything that happens to us each and every day Every single moment of the day is by design. And the world hasn't gone crazy because God hasn't gone crazy. God doesn't go crazy. It might feel like the world's gone crazy, but it's Hashem's world. And if a person can find God in these moments, it not only makes these days tolerable, it makes them meaningful. And in some ways, they can find even beauty in it. Is it ideal? No. Is life ideal? No. Do we pray for better days? Yes. Do we know who will give us better days? Yes. So I pray that we are blessed with a sweet year. And as the lyrics of this song go, we should choose correctly. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is a beautiful song that we're going to finish off from Yishai Ribo. God bless you. Have a great day. Next week, same time, same place. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen from Linksfield Shul signing off. Have a great day.